This reviewer discussion was recorded during the 2023 WGA and SAG after strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, the works being covered here wouldn't exist. We fully support both the WGA and SAG-AFTRA in their fight for fair treatment and compensation against a system that continually denies them such. While a full boycott has not been called for, SAG-AFTRA has asked that everyone who does media about film and TV refrain from promoting struck content during this time. From what we can tell based on guidelines released, independent reviews do not constitute promotion of work but critical assessment of a work of art. Any praise we give to these works should be seen purely as praise for the artists, writers, and actors who created it. If anything, the praise is emphasizing that the writers, actors, and other artists deserve more compensation because they are who make these works and are subsequent discussions possible. Additionally, this recording was not made using any studio-provided screeners or material. Do not support any studios during the strike. Good evening, Agents McClure, Iliopolis, and Woody. Seven years ago, you decided you made a choice, a choice that affected your lives for great, mostly the better, but a choice nonetheless to leave your old life behind and to join the Fake Nerd Podcast to record, mo to talk about movies, record shows, and also a whole bunch of other cool stuff in between. To remind you of your choice, you decided to take one of your very own and force him to watch not only all the Mission Impossible films, but finally to have him sit down and see Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to, is to, force, to, to force him to sit down once more and talk about the latest film starring Tom Cruise. This mission will self-destruct in five seconds. Oh shit! <laughs> Run! It's not enough time. I'm gonna throw my glasses right at the screen. Oh, he took himself out of here instead of bringing back his camera. Hey guys, well, we how's it go. going? I hope I'm not late. Hey Ben, what's up? You just missed a mysterious <laughs> man talking to us. Don't worry about it. Though. Oh no, mysterious man. I guess I should have. Uh, oh damn it! I guess I should have like master voice or something. Oh, there's hey. What's up, guys? We're here. We are talking about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, a.k.a. MI7. I am Ben Magnet, and I am joined by the guys who essentially put a gun to my head. No, they didn't. They were, they were more than happy to show me. You love it. You're happy to be here. <laughs> I am so happy to be here, guys. Oh, my God. I am, of course, with my bros, Brandon T. McClure. I accept. Sparks Witty. I like Agent Witty. It's good. Good. And of and of course, last but certainly not least, Mr. Ryan Heliopolis. Yo, it's Agent E. What it be? Yeah, what would it, what it be indeed? So Ben, if I may take the baton from you for a minute, um, take it. this this is our first movie review since the SAG after strike, and I felt it was uh, necessary to say up top. Uh, you've already seen the disclaimer. We've already heard the disclaimer. Uh, it, it is there, but. Just so just to reiterate, um, a, a full boycott of movies and TV shows have not been called by uh, the by the by the unions. We are in full support of the unions. We are not doing this in support of the studio. We are doing this in the support of the people who made Mission Impossible 7, the directors, the writers, the actors who made this movie possible. Um, we are not here to support Paramount. We are here to support Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise. That's true. Yep. Um, and Haley Atwell, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Ving Rames, and the entire cast. Sparks, do you have anything? Did you? You look like you're about to say something. Uh, I would. I would only add, like you know, the, the point of like you know the disclaimer stuff, and we don't need to do this every time because that's why the disclaimer is there. But uh, we are not paid 
Nope. Uh, or in relation with the studios, which is the important thing of like reviews as promotion. If you have a relationship, obviously we're very tiny and we don't. Um, and, and we wouldn't be doing it if we did. So, um, works out for us absolutely uh but like i said but like i said like spark said the disclaimer is there we'll be there for until the strikes are over so uh but let's get right into it because we are here to talk about mission impossible dead reckoning part one sorry Uh, real quick sorry real quick also just as usual every time you'll hear the disclaimer and the links to support are in the description yes um directed by christopher mcquarrie once again and written by christopher mcquarrie and eric tan this one, this one's a little weird. Tendressen, Tendressen, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Cool name. Um, this is his first time working on the Mission Impossible films. Uh, good get um, for him. So, what do we think of this one, Ben? Since you're new to the Mission Impossible franchise, this is your first new one. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Damn, I should have been seeing these in theaters the whole time. That yeah, was, baby. Oh my god, I'm not gonna lie. I, obviously, it says part. The, the film says part one. We'll get into it in the review, but what a ride! What an absolute ride! And honestly, I kind of feel what Henry Cavill was saying in the last movie. Was like, how many times has Hunt's government disavowed him, betrayed him, all do, doing all these horrible things to him? It's like, man, that guy has patience. He has endurance. Yes. Holy he's the ultimate shit. scapegoat he is but i absolutely had a blast i will get into it but goddamn, that was what a movie what a film ryan damn good time at the movies y'all damn good time at the movies uh not my favorite mission impossible but like he's three for three in my in my opinion for these macquarie cruise mission impossible uh movies i think it's a great time uh the only real problem i really have is is the part one nature of it it's just you know they introduce a lot of stuff that like we have to wait and like it is not like like i have this is the probably the most complete like movie of the three that we've gotten this year but like there's a lot of questions that i'm like i just have to wait for the answers in a year uh-huh. and like that's really the only problem i have and like i said like uh, but besides that like this is another incredible incredible stunt performed great acted really like these movies get funnier somehow like just great time sparks yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, I have qualms, but I liked it overall. I wish I could live in this movie. And the fact that I know that there will eventually be a six hour version of this movie. Oh, yes. and, and and I hope that part two is just as good as what we have here. Um, I, I, I have no reason to believe otherwise, but it is in the realm of possibility. Poo poo. Um, but. I really, really like this one. I've seen it twice. It's it's 246, I think, is the length of this movie. I don't feel it at all. Um, I'm I am sitting there. I, I don't want it to end. I'm so invested in this in this story. I think everyone is is at the top of their game. I love it. The the two of them together. I cannot say this is my favorite Mission Impossible film. I can't say that right now because it's technically not a complete film. Um, but the two of them together could very well be. I'm in the I'm exact very excited same, for that. I'm yeah. 100% in the same boat because after I left, after I left the theater, I wanted more. I was like, I need to know what happens next. I mean, I know we're going to get it. It's going to be a year from now, but I can definitely tell you that while it's good, I would put this still below me. I mean, it's above three, but it's definitely below four. Not to say that four is bad. It's not, 
but I think I still think my favorite is um, Fallout. Oh yeah, no. it, my favorite is still Fallout. Yeah, uh, you I can't was gonna say Friction Ben, but Ben had Ben different. Yeah, for me yeah. it's Rogue Nation. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Honestly, I still love Fallout. I think the I think the right answer to what your favorite Mission Impossible film is yes. Um, yeah. like, <laughs> those those from four to six. If you if any one of them is your favorite, which obviously four is mine, five mm-hmm. is is your is Ben's, and six is your guys's. Like it's just yes. Like those yeah. those are all great movies. Just not two. Movies. Hey, two still has good stuff in it. It does have good stuff. It does. You know what? Stuff. I'll even say if your favorite is Mission Impossible two. You know what? I'm actually really happy for you, and that is also a yes. Good for your good for what kind of life do you live? Where you know what I just saw I just saw a Dead Reckoning. It's still not better than two. Like yeah, right? What a world! What is your favorite movie? I'm so curious. What a world! Uh, uh, but so, yeah, I go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna extrapolate on the point that when I left the theater, I was like, I I'm pretty sure that once the whole story is told and once the end is you know a proper end is given, then it might become my next favorite Mission Impossible film. Because when I put because I can already see myself in the future. Put when I say Dead Reckoning, I'm putting the two as one whole show what whole film you know what's fun about uh not knowing anything about dead reckoning part two yet is that um tom there's a stunt that tom cruise does in one of his see you at the movies commercials where he's on a biplane and he's like hung to a biplane and we haven't seen that happen so he was filming part two at that moment uh so i'm like now you're just attaching yourself to biplanes man what are you doing next you're crazy i love it although although the biplaneness of it all with this plot line makes that make a lot more sense yes the analog nature of go like against like technology yes 100 percent. i love yeah. i love all that stuff yeah oh um, by the way you know, full spoilers you should probably know this by the help but yes. full spoilers why don't we start with the hunt for red october yeah um almost like almost like exactly because they even do like the the um the translation what you start you hear them speaking in russian and it's and you see the subtitles and then it's as they are talking they're they speak english as it progresses i really like that as a as as a as a as a tool um and i I think the whole sequence is so well filmed i was at the edge of my seat and it was only until after it was done i was like oh yeah we never saw like actually saw the other submarine nope yeah i think that's spectacular the second uh language uh thing that they took from mission impossible 4 that we had oh yeah that was when yeah. ethan was waking up and he was trying that's right, to in understand Russian. the language that's right call back yeah. good job good job tom cruise bring it back i love it they do uh, a lot of good callback stuff there's there's even nice callback stuff to one in this one yo so one of my favorite things about this and listening to all the interviews that I possibly can with Chris from Corey, he has said this was unintentional and I believe him, but he was like, people are like, Hey, people are, this one feels a lot like a mission Impossible one with a lot of the Dutch angles. It is much more about who can you trust that kind of thing. You know, it bring it analog makes it feel old school. And he's like, that is purely just by the plot has nothing to do with me trying to homage the first movie, Brian De Palma. This is a more personal, you know, it is obviously way bigger in scope, but like, it's really personal on the inside with the villain and the hero. So like we want it to be really tight. And there was a lot of tight, people seem to have problems with this like really tight focus on a lot of the character stuff and i'm like mccory's just got it in the bag he can film any type of style i feel like he's incredible uh i will say just because you brought it up like the tight stuff um i was thinking about the scene with um carrie always is introduced with kittredge talking to them we're getting all the talking i love it talking one after another and we're tight on them and i I realized i i wasn't as crazy about like the editing of it sure and i realized why 
that was probably happening and like who knows for sure but like um it's probably covid sure um that we have actors sitting close and we're not seeing as many people in a lot of the frames so that they can be out of the section i was just because i think a fair bit of some of my problems that are going to come up for this come from them working through covid sure and i and i grant that the benefit of that being the hardship yeah um, yeah. that, that central <clears throat> intelligence meeting sequence that you just mentioned is a real who's who of character actors that you oh are like, hey, that's that guy. Everybody, every, that whole everybody on that crew, it's just like, oh my gosh, you're from that thing and you're from that thing. And hey, talk to Maverick guy. Well, yeah. I remember I remember when I saw Mark Gatiss there and I was like, the hell yes. is Mark Gatiss doing in this movie? Yeah, what's Mycroft doing here? Was it the girl, was the one, the lady who played one of the Sand Snakes or the, yeah. she was the mom yes. of the Sand Snakes? That the was her, she was in the movie, right? Hell Yeah. I was like, uh, huh. Love it. Love I it. don't know his name, but, but I only know him from Deadpool 2. Rob and I know Delaney. Him. Rob Delaney. Thank you. Yeah, he's in this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really that's like a, that scene, personally. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great misdirect from the trailer, because, like, you think that's a bad guy. And, like, the whole way that the whole time that entire scene is set up, it's like it feels like a bad guy. And it's like, oh, my God, no, it's, it's, it's Ethan. It's our boy. He's not here to kill anyone. He's oh, there for Kittredge. Uh, one of the things I really like about Macquarie Mission Impossible films is he really knows how to utilize the mask in ways that yeah. constantly feel fresh and fun and new. And 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 when we see this dude who looks like a bad guy, this this dude irradiates bad guy energy. He's just got a face. He's just got a face. And he walks in and he's and he's doing these shady things. But man, when he takes off his mask and it's Ethan, you you cheer because you're like, oh shit. Yes. I just I love that whole scene because everyone's talking about all this crazy stuff, all, you know, end of the world. They're doing the analog thing in the background. And the second he hands Kittredge the the um, the respirator, it's like, oh, is he going to kill everyone? Like, Because, yeah, you think that this guy's going to do one thing. And then McCory just comes in and says, no, he, it's actually Ethan Hunt. And what I love is the another is like you get two masks in one scene. You get the reveal. That's him. And then it's like, do you, how do you expect to get out of here? It turns around where your kid is like, oh, of I just was like, I should have seen that coming. I should have seen it coming a mile away, but it was still such a fun and good reveal that I was like, man, this movie's going to rule. It's, and it's, it's like the first 20 minutes. It's yeah. so funny. Like the, the moment when he turns around real quickly on the Brian De Palma thing, I don't want to like skip over the whole scene because like, I, I, I'm sure I kind of believe Chris McQuarrie when he says it wasn't intentional, but there is something that feels very much like that scene in the restaurant uh, before the aquarium explodes uh, with Kittredge and Ethan in the first Mission Impossible in their discussion in the way it's filmed with the with the Dutch angles and everything like that. And, and I, I, I guess, you know, I believe him when he says it's not intentional, but I really like how much their conversation mirrors the first Mission Impossible like it. Here, Ethan has all the power, but there, Kittredge had all the power. Um, I really, I just, I just think that's a really cool parallel and a really cool way. And I was thinking about this. This is not a bad segue into. I was thinking about this a lot watching this movie the second time, which is, I don't, I cannot remember a protagonist who has, who has so, so earned his legendary status. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. At this point, as Ethan Hunt, um, because he is because even Kittredge talks about like, yeah, I have a guy. I sent a guy to go do this. He's the only guy who could do it. But he hasn't come in yet. That's that's an incredible exchange, too. Of Like, 
uh, Carrie always like learning about this for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, so you just like send the guy and you hope he fixes the world? And he's like, yeah, pretty much. And it's worked every time. And I'm like, well, shit, I mean, if you get results, you get results, right? And it's really interesting. And it's really interesting that like that sequence that, sequence that, you're, that you're talking about, which is that like, you know, you go back to Mission Impossible 3 and the IMF is like this big organization that's underneath this this like travel agent uh, agency and, and everything. But here it kind of feels more like a desperate group of highly trained specialists, which is, I think, what the initial intention of the first Mission Impossible was supposed to be. Um, and I think what Macquarie has done since he came on the he came on board that the idea that it's not an agency, it is a group of people, a large group of people, mind you, yeah. where that other agencies leave word like, "Hey, we can't do this. Can you do this?" And and they even say it, and it's like they have to choose to accept it. And if they, and if they can't do it, they won't choose, they won't choose to accept it. Like they have to ensure that this is going to be, this is going to work. It's an interesting place that the IMF is at right now. Cause like we see, we see when we were introduced to, to, to Ethan again, like there's like a courier who can't even get the password. Right. Yeah. And it's not because he's a villain. It's cause like they're trying to, I don't think the IMF has the resources that they used to. And they're picking like dudes, like they got Jimmy off the street to be an IMF agent. It feels like, like that dude's not properly trained. It's like, yeah. Cause like a- after, after, you know, after the fallout of all this shit, like it's very interesting to see where, how valuable the IMF still is, but that like people almost like don't respect them because they're all crazy people. They're, they yeah. are people who just wear masks and have like unsanctioned freedom to do whatever they want. And that is true. But, you know, just like, you know, like superheroes, you know, with capes, like sometimes you need that. Like you need to get over the bureaucracy and the red tape and only fictional, you know, clandestine organizations like this and every, you know, genre can exist to do that. Uh, yeah. But it feels so real because like this is quote unquote, you know, grounded in a way where you know ai is something that is like super scary like i don't think this could ever happen but like this is the biggest scale of these movies that it could possibly be with like ai taking over the world but it's still like believable in a way you know what i mean it's like not like a thousand nukes are launching at once we're not there yet but like the next one probably will be there there, you're you're right there is a sense of of groundedness to specifically the 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 macquarie mission impossible films you know the stakes keep getting higher and yet he still roots it in what Ethan's stakes are, which is he even says in this in this scene to keep it kind of keep it in the scene, um, which is like um, he, Ethan learns that every world power wants this entity. This is where we learn that it's an entity, it's an AI entity that's gone rogue, and he learns that every world power wants to use it, and he takes it upon himself, like it's got to be destroyed, and he is the only one. Who think who? It's not that he's the only one who could destroy it. He's the only one who believes it should be destroyed. Actually, I think the entity might think that. Yeah, that the entity is the one who can do. It. That's why he's out. That's why he goes so hard to stop him and to get a guy from his past to stop him. Yeah. Um, Sparks, you've been a little quiet lately. Do you have anything to say you want to bring up about the scene? No, I, I think we, we were just letting you guys roll, like Ben and I, just letting you guys go off. <laughs> Um, I agree with what you're look I'll be honest I'm gonna be really upfront like I'm gonna kind of let you guys just go for it because I probably agree with a lot of your positives and if I don't I'll say so but I'm gonna pull up things I don't think you guys are gonna mention and I'm gonna sound like I don't like the movie but I like the movie <laughs> well why don't you why don't we why don't we go there next then what was one of the things that you didn't like about it uh, let's just talk about Elsa yeah um, I agree. let's oh, just, sure. just yeah talk about it. Yes. There, oh thank yes. god I'm it's not, not the only one it's not fridging. No, it's not. Uh, nope, and it's, nope. it's not at all. Um, 
I still think it's a shitty choice. No, I agree. Uh, yeah. I, I think articulating literally in the dialogue in the script, Ethan, decide which woman will die tonight. Yeah. Uh, you get to pick. Um, it didn't have to be two of the two female characters. We didn't need to do that Haley Atwell's coming into the franchise, which means, well, Rebecca Ferguson's got to go. Um, because we've had Mission Impossible movies and one female protagonist per time on yeah. the team. Um, and, like, I love Benji. I love uh, Luther. It would have devastated me more in a good way for storytelling if one of them had gotten it. Yeah. And honestly. Yeah. here, And I 100% agree with you, and here's why they didn't do it. Um, one, it's a little bit of politics because Rebecca Ferguson is a considerably bigger star than she was when she made the last two Mission Impossible movies. Uh, they wanted to bring in Haley Atwell for... Ilsa Faust is my favorite Mission Impossible character. She is she is very much like Ethan Hunt. They are very much the same same type of character. Haley Atwell is not. She is very much her own different type of character. And the chemistry that she has with Tom Cruise is electrifying. And and it's it's a different relationship. And I and I agree, it is a bad choice. Uh, but they were not going to kill Benji because he's the easy choice. And they weren't going to kill Luther because that would be you're killing your you're killing uh, the only black guy on your team. Like, I don't think there was a they wanted to kill someone in this movie. And that's the problem. And there is no good person to kill other than we are bringing in a potential love interest, potential second to you. We have to get rid of that, that person. I don't I think it's shitty. I don't think they had to do it. But I I think it is the most, quote unquote, logical choice for a character to die. It's still they should have done it. I, 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 I Sorry. Real quick. I'll push back a little bit and say that I think to, to be honest, I thought about it a lot. I think the correct choice was Luther. Um, and like, I love him. I don't want him out of these movies. And I understand the optics of like, you killed your black man on team. You killed the black man on team who's been in as many movies as T Tom Cruise. Yeah. Like the, the reason that would work is you killed Ethan's conscience. You killed his heart. Yeah. Um, which is what Luther has been as like, that's truly an Ethan. I don't know what he's going to do. Uh, if Luther's off the table, that's how you really get Ethan to the point of, Oh, like, I under I got what Luther was saying of you need to not kill him at the end of the movie. Yeah. Boy, would that have would I have bought a lot more that that was on the table if Luther had been the person who got got like yeah. I would have been like, I don't know if Ethan can walk away from that. And it sucks because. Like it just in the framework of the film, even if it had to be Ilsa, I don't think it's executed well. And I'm, I'm even going to like chalk this up to we know how like McQuarrie writes through things as they're making it and yeah. i can i can see this kind of not coming together quite the way and being as refined i just i i'll say i don't think this movie's as polished as macquarie's other two um oh, i, I feel i feel the cracks and i do think that's covid related i do think that's trying to work around not only making a, a two-parter big film um but working under those constraints and if ilsa had to go i think there's a better way to have done it in the story than so directly putting it on ethan as this choice between two women, the yeah. framing didn't work for me. The framing when it gets to the moment where she's on the bridge, I'm just like, I know what's about to happen. And like, it's just, yeah. it's not feeling dramatic to me. It's just feeling shitty. Um, I just, I, I see, I, I hate the moment, but I do think it felt dramatic. I think they had a great fight. Um, I mean, like, I, I, I should frame particularly, like, I can feel both things. Like, I get the dramatic yeah. of what, what is at stake and, and like, but I, but I feel like I'm being set up for it, and it, it I don't like that feeling. Sure. Uh, and I also don't like, just real quick, Brandon, and then I'm going to throw it to you. Um, I also don't like, as many others have pointed out, that we basically...
Oh, no, they froze. Uh, oh, they froze. No. Oh. Well, so you can't hear us at all? Well, we can, we can hear you now. So they basically well, what? Uh... Uh, that uh, we get given in the script that Tom Cruise is motivated against this particular man because a nameless woman died in his arms. And like that also being tied into this whole idea of, of these women dying for Ethan thing. I was like, well, okay, this is just, I just don't think it's handled well. I agree. I want you to go Brandon. And then I have a great, actually a great reason why some of this shit happened. And it's, and it's interesting. Well, actually, Ben has been trying to say something also, and I want to throw to Ben. I have a lot. I have a lot to say, but I, I do want to get Ben in here before he gets lost in the shuffle. I mean, part of me does understand the logic behind why Ilsa had to go. Um, when they're okay, really, the reason why I'm. I mean, obviously, I'm not a biggest fan because you know I grew to love Ilsa over the past few films. I think she's a great character. I love Rebecca Ferguson in the movie. Also, I just want Ethan Hunt to have a happy ever after, and it looked like he was going to get it with Ilsa. Like when they were going to Venice, were they like, romantically yeah. together though? They, I don't think they were. Yeah, they yeah, were not together. Yeah, they so were, either. they were, they were that like. It's only something that like happens in movies. It's like it's past yeah. romance. It's like it's like kinship. They're not. Yeah. They might be banging off screen, but they're not kissing on screen. I, they're not. I, they're I, not lovers. It, to me, I just like the two of them together. That yeah. oh, that's just. It's mostly just a me thing. It is mostly just a me thing. Um, but I will admit, she does go out like a boss. She does put up a great fight. So, yeah, I, 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 I really like the, the moment and I was devastated when it happened because I really like Elsa. Now, so there's a couple of things here that I think are at play, which is outside of the first film. No, no, like one of our main team members has died in a Mission Impossible film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this is the, this is really the first time this has happened. Um, and. I find that, and I, I think that's that's really interesting that you've decided to do this now because what Macquarie wants to do is kind of really like like pay off what he's playing at in uh, in Fallout. What's the what is the consequences of choosing this mission? Um, yeah. And Ethan has never had to deal with consequences, like not really. He's always succeeded in the end, and everybody's lived, and everyone's gone on to to be happily be happily ever after. Um, aside of the first film. So the first film happens um and i so i so so i think that's kind of interesting to what what sparks's point is saying um which is that ilsa may not be the right person to do it and I, i'm gonna bring this up knowing that this is not a franchise that does this but do we actually think she's dead yes yeah you think so i i think you have a fair point i've seen the argument and i think it's fair yeah um and I wouldn't hate it if done if like executed well. Yeah. Um, because I've seen there's a very there's a very good point that people have made that it, it does feel very Macquarie of why we are faked out about Ilsa's death at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Is to tell you as an audience like under under the sly like hey we faked it here we'll fake it later too. Sure. Um, and that Ilsa could be the element that's off the table yeah. to get to the entity. And I get it. And I think that's a valid. But it was Gabriel who did it. <laughs> I, I think that's a valid. That's a valid argument. Just means like they could have saved her, and like he didn't actually get her. I get. I guess that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Like, but I, that's a cheap. But like that feels I, like a cheap O death. I feel like. I feel like it's a that's little. That's a bumblebee. I feel like it's a little cheap. Yeah. Um, if we do it that way, but I can also see how McCory might execute it well on the back end. I'll tell I'm, you what. I'll be happy if she shows up. Right. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm open. I'm open to that possibility. 
that I think that's a compelling argument. The fake out death thing in particular has me like, yeah, I feel like you do that for a reason when you're killing her later in the movie. And that it is very pointed that like the only person who brings up talking about her after she's passed is Haley Atwell's character who would in this context think she is truly dead. If that's true. Know that she isn't. That's true. And Luther very quickly goes away somewhere. So, uh, and he and, and her are close. So I guess, like, I guess there is like literally the immediate next scene where like Tom Cruise is like incredibly sad about it. So I guess he could just be acting and we've for never the seen entity. Him, we've never seen him fake sad before. No, I know, but like, you know, that's a moment for the audience. It's not like, no, but that's what I mean. Cause that's the, um, yeah. that's the, uh, what he did with the guy when they faked him out that the nukes went off mm. in, um, fallout. Even yeah. even comes in all upset and angry as though they failed the mission and all the cities got blown up with the nukes. Oh, that's true. Sure. Uh, so like I can I can buy. I guess I yeah. can buy the argument that this is something. It feels Macquarie when people describe that that twist coming around on part yeah. two. I would certainly um, feel better like once part two comes out and like we see the whole story. I I probably would feel better about it. But like, and I'm willing, I do think execution is still. And I'm willing to reassess it. But like execution in this movie and only being able to look at this movie alone not loving it. It's specifically, it is the line, sorry, Brian, it is, it is, it is the line of like, choose which woman will die, Ethan. It's very much, and he is the villain, but it's like, it is like so like, that's almost too much in your face. And that's the thing, Ethan's not the kind of person to make that choice. He's the kind of person to say both. And, and so like, I would believe, and, and, and you're absolutely correct. There is a, there are two paths, well, three paths. There are three paths. Um, if there's the path where, uh, Elsa is dead, which really sucks because I love I love Elsa and killing Rebecca Ferguson. I don't think was the right choice. Um, and for this film, seeing the whole picture could change. There's the path where she is alive, and it's not handled well. In which case, it's it feels cheap. It feels emotionally manipulated, uh, manipulative, and there's nothing really here that works for me. And then there's the path that it's done really well, and that's the path that I kind of hope the Mission Impossible, yeah. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is taking. Because I, I do really like Elsa, and it is the only black mark that I personally have on this film is Elsa's death. Uh, yeah, and, like, again, a lot of it just comes down to, like, that that direct execution, like, putting directly in the dialogue that it, it's forcing Ethan into this very, like, stating plainly, choose which woman dies tonight kind of thing. That feels really grody in a way that, like, was just hard to... And- to work around and i yeah. feel like there was i feel like there was just a better way to trap ethan in this position without stating it so pointedly and making it feel so so driven by the singular idea of like it's not that they're women but it is two women who we decide to put yeah. on the table for this decision yeah. yeah the thing the thing like i would have a i wouldn't have such a problem with it if we knew gabriel better if we knew him more and i know he is an asset of the entity the entity is the actual bad guy of the movie and gabriel is like he's basically like the mini boss he's he's the voice he's, he's the voice of god he's the metatron he's gabriel okay. like it's it's all biblical biblical shit it's a cross is the MacGuffin. uh can can i ask you guys like is your head canon that like the entity only picks him out because of his history with ethan i think it's a i don't think it's the only thing but it is a factor yes. i think that's i think that's it i think that's like the only reason it's this dude because well, like, like, he's like a spy and so like, he has skill but it starts like manipulating him in his normal life to the degree where it would he would be interested in what the entity would offer before it even directly approaches him yeah I'm just wondering because how, it's yeah. like this is the guy that's going to throw Ethan off the most yeah and so here I'm going to bring up oh were you about to say something oh no 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 I, I was just thinking about the question Sparks asked 
Yeah. So here's a really great fun fact that I learned. There was like going to be originally a 25 minute opening sequence with a de-aged Ethan going on a mission with a de-aged uh, 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 Morales. What's what's the actor's name? Uh, Isai. Yeah, Isai Morales. Isai Morales. Um, and it was going to be literally what we just watched with with. Uh, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, thank you. Um, and then McCory was like, I don't want to do that. That'll be distracting. And I think he's hilarious. I love that. <laughs> I, I, mean, I also read this interview and I, I do really appreciate that he was like, the technology has gotten very good, but it would, it was going to be distracting. I really like how he handles that, that flashback sequence. It's clearly Tom Cruise, but he obscures his face so that you know that you don't see the age of Tom Cruise. Um, and I think that was a really hair. smart... Those you see the hair. I think that was a really smart move. Um, the girl's name is, I guess, Marie. Uh, Gabriel says it at, at the party. Yeah. So fun fact: she has a opening. She's in the credits. She has a full. She got fully paid to be in a twenty-five minute sequence, and then they ended up not using it. So she will be in part two. So she better yeah. be, because otherwise, like, what the whole plot? Is. <laughs> They've got it. That I will say, like, part two does have to Do give of- some more context than just a woman who all we know is a name died. Yes. Uh, you know, like there's gotta be more context. He clearly knows Gabriel I, really well. I will admit, like, I didn't feel like I needed it in this movie. Um, but like, again, like when you couple it with the other stuff that was going on with like putting, putting women in harm's way for Ethan, that, that, that's part of it too. Like Morales as a character, like hit Gabriel coming up and being like all the women that, that suffer because of Ethan. And I'm like, well, you know, like his, his wife kind of got to like, just leave. And uh, outside of that, we haven't had a lot of problems. That's why. That's why I think like a lot of people are are throwing fridge around with this movie. And I'm like, Mission Impossible has really like done a good job of respecting women. I think, for the most part, well, especially well, showing badass women. So like, you know, we're like we're we are very much like as a culture starting to lump fridge in as a term for like killing off a woman character. Yeah. And like, it's it, she's not killed off to motivate Ethan per se. That's yeah. not like the goal. The goal is not kill a woman character to motivate Ethan, but. She is killed hoping that uh, by the entity blatantly, this is in the script, hoping that it'll make Ethan kill Morales at yes. the end of the movie. Yeah. And like that's that's writing the line, but I won't say it's fridging. No, I, I don't think that it's as direct as that, but it's it's definitely dancing with it in a way that I'm like, that's not so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just kind of because, you know, we, we've been talking about uh, uh, Ilsa as far as um, – um, in relation to Grace's character, why don't we talk about Haley Atwell? Um, sure. So who I think is incredible in this movie. I Haley Atwell is one of those people who are like, why aren't you more famous? Why aren't you in more movies? <laughs> uh, because truly, like, she's so good. She's she's really good in, in Captain America. I haven't seen a lot of other things she's done. This is like a if she wasn't already a star, a star making performance. One of her thirst, first things was um, in, in a mini series called Pillars of Earth. Oh with yes, Ian McShane. She yes. was really good there. It's like a Showtime. And then I want to. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say her Agent Carter series. Like obviously that's still MCU type, but she was excellent. Yeah. I I also want to bring up. Um, this is a, a, a super deep cut, but in her early career, she did a big finish Doctor Who. Uh, story where she created mm. Daleks and mm-hmm. she's like great in it and I and I was like this sounds like Haley Atwell and I looked at the cover art it's like this is Haley Atwell <laughs> love it yeah. it's awesome um I, I I love Haley Atwell just in general obviously Agent Carter is one of my favorite Marvel characters because of that TV show um I loved I loved her in that TV show but here someone tweeted this really well someone pointed this really pointed this really well which is like Haley Atwell is kind of one of those actors that you always kind of that who, who's always kind of been there. But like here, it's like you're meeting her for the first time. Yeah. And I truly feel that way because I I, I think she's a revelation. She's really good. Yeah. 
I would definitely say that as much as I loved her in First Avenger, obviously, like we see, we hear, yeah, with the Carter, Advent, the um, Peggy Carter, Captain America, First Avenger. But seeing her in this, I felt like she has so much more to do, so much more time to shine. And it's, she's truly showing what she can do. And I believe her every single second of the way. I, I not once did I think, oh, this is uh, Peggy Carter playing someone else. It's like, no, that is Grace. That lady, her name is Grace. Her, 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 like, I've never seen these passports before in my life. I'm a school teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so good. Or it's even I like, love- or one of the, like, my, it's way later, in, it's near the end of the movie. I really want to talk about this. I love her scene when she's trying when ethan and benji are trying to convince her to put the mask on to play the white widow Hmm. and she is just so uncomfortable and props to both uh um what's her name something kirby vanessa 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 kirby thank you and props to vanessa kirby because you know it's the whole vanessa kirby playing Haley atwell playing vanessa kirby thing you know the triple deep because one i see that scene when they're she's talking to kittredge and you know trying to sell both halves of the key I'm like, I know that's Haley Atwell. I could tell how uncomfortable she is. And I love it. I believe it. just the whole time you could you feel like there's there's definitely not the person you know or you've been watching the past two hours with. Good you know what's asking. interesting about that about that sequence, which I didn't know that Zara pointed it out to me. Her eyes are different when she's oh, Haley no, Atwell. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very bright blue and then very dark brown. It's, oh, it's yeah. yeah. I, genuinely, genuinely, like, it's. I'm not saying it's a problem with the movie, but I was... I, nobody I, noticed I was it. sitting there and I'm like... Her brother didn't notice This felt like it. this was on purpose and I'm kind of stunned that nobody noticed. Yeah. This wasn't like a subtle difference. This was bright, bright blue switched to brown and yeah. nobody notices it. I know, I know, I know you guys kind of made it seem like I was an idiot for not noticing it no, on accident. I don't mean to. I don't mean to say that you that that's what you meant to do. But I kind of feel vindicated that nobody else in the movie saw it either, uh, because I, you know, I don't notice eye colors, and clearly her brother is terrible at noticing mm-hmm. her own her brother her sister's own eye oh, color. Boy, terrible. Yeah. But I I really I like that kind of attention to detail, and I only brought it up because I wanted to just mention the attention to detail that you nece- you wouldn't necessarily think about it like yeah the, the these masks don't these masks, these masks have eye holes uh not eyes so they so they need to be different color and i i really appreciate that macquarie went that extra step mm-hmm. you, now that you mentioned it brandon because when i was watching that scene and i was watching Haley atwell playing uh, vanessa kirby i was like something's off but i completely did not realize the eyes and and, I mean, and, it, and it plays so well which is what you said it was so brilliant what you just said ben is, is it plays so well because when kittredge says you're not uh, uh what hurts her really alana uh, alana uh, uh, alana yeah you're not you're not alana you're like oh shit because you know because ben even even you didn't notice the eye color and i didn't notice the eye color but we both noticed instinctively that there was something different she didn't look like vanessa kirby she she looked like Haley atwell in a mask and yeah. and you and so that moment plays so well because you're like oh shit does kittredge know and then he doesn't because kittredge also is terrible at noticing eye color and he's old that was the that was what was at play brandon was that you know because because i did notice the eye color thing is when he did that i thought that was exactly why he was doing it and yeah. then i nope. knew you were yee-high <laughs> It now only, you're a it criminal. Only, it only bothered me that her brother looked her directly in the eyes for like one shot and then like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, boy, you're a bad brother. That's true. Uh, I want to rewind. I want to get off the train for a minute because 
there's such incredible moments in the train that I wanted to spend like the, the whole review on. But um, Haley Atwell um, has so many standout scenes, and I think she is part of the best chase sequence in the franchise. Uh, I really like the car chase sequence. Um, I think yeah. it's it, the car chase sequence in Rome is super inventive and fun. Uh, it's like nothing I've ever seen before with the, when they when they tumble over the stairs and they're in the opposite seats and they're just like, uh, how'd this happen? Shit. Uh, yeah. uh, so funny, fun, Palm Clementif, uh chasing after them in this big old van. Uh, take the wheel. Oh, just such an incredible moment. I, I just can't get enough of it. I kind of want to see more unhinged Palm Clementif because I thought she was a joy to watch. I know yeah. she didn't have a whole lot to do on screen, but when she like when she's in the big rig and she's just laughing and just cackling just maniacally, I'm like, I want to see a movie about her. We I, love I, I, a good. I, I want to see that. A good, a good, like bad thug, like a cool, like oh, that's like the, like another and mini the boss. Closest, and the closest we've had is like the Bone Doctor. The, but yeah, this is she's yeah. She, she's the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bone Doctor. Yeah. Now, yeah. To me, personal MVP of the movie is Palm Clementine. Oh yeah, dude, that mm-hmm. that uh that like hall. It's not a hallway. It's like a like an alleyway. Like the alleyway fight, incredible. Love yeah. it. She's just like she's doing like the Black Widow thing on him, and her abs are just on the screen, and he's just like I can't get out of here. I'm just like, damn, dude. <laughs> Yeah. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to say about that chase scene. Oh, so one of the things I do love about obviously the newer Mission Possible movies, they just get, keep getting better and better and better. But now that you guys mentioned the chase scene with Haley Atwell, it kind of reminds me of the car sequence with um, Maggie Q in MI2. Not like the, oh, the sure. main, not like the big chase scene, but um, no, second one. So, Thandy, oh, Maggie, Q. Maggie Q's in three. That's why, yeah, yeah. Oh, Maggie Q's in three. Who's the who's the lady and, in Thandy Thandy Newton? Thandy Whitney. Yeah, her, her. Not Maggie Got Q, it. my bad. Because, you know, she's a thief, she's stealing cars, she's driving erratically. And because a lot of times, it, like, especially in those early MI2 films, like, you see meet a thief, they have all these different skills, and they're like, you know, they're badasses in their own right, but they're like a little too badass, if that makes any sense. Sure. Whereas you see Haley Atwell, who's very good at one thing stealing shit. Everything else? Oh hell no, I'm not. I love that she's a bad driver so yeah, yeah. much. Yeah. Um, running in, and that's how that's how Tom Cruise like first gets catches her catches her because she's just running into shit. <laughs> and she did a lot of her own stunt driving in this, which is incredible. You can you can definitely tell, especially in how they film it. Um, the just the the humor in that sequence is so good. I can I'm just gonna blanket because I don't want to just start listing off moments in the sequence that I really love. Just that from start to finish, the car chase sequence is, is my favorite sequence in the movie. It is interesting to watch the same stairs in Venice get messed up in a car chase twice in one year. That's at, true. At the movie theaters. I, well, I wasn't going to bring it up. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Why it happened. <laughs> it's, it's also a good scene. It's not like it's a bad scene. I forgot uh, that yeah, the stairs fine. in Venice got screwed up in Fast and the Furious. Like, yep. big bomb, baby, big old bomb, practical bomb, man, baby. Man, that uh, that part of Venice and Rome—they're not doing too hot, are they? They're having a tough time. Yeah, it's rough. They need Optimus Prime in there. Um, he'll be the next truck to, to he'll be the next car to turn over. Like um, he, trans- he, he transforms and his entire body just gets flattened and destroyed in the entire staircase. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all if the next Transformers does the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so my favorite part from from the rum sequence is like he thinks he's about to get into a sick ass Lamborghini, and then the then the the, the 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 electric Fiat comes out, and he's like, 
And then he's like in the car and he's like an old man, like I swear, like, you know, just technology, you know, it's just not how it used to be or whatever. I'm just like, <laughs> man, I love Tom Cruise, like just being an old man and like yeah. Alien Elvis is like, no, I'm sure you, I'm sure you, you know, you're really good at this. Right. One of the things I really like about, about Ethan Hunt, especially the way Tom Cruise is allowed to play him, uh, you know, he's, you know, Tom Cruise feels very much like the, like an old, an older action hero, not in the sense that he is an old man, but in the sense of like, you know, the, your, your Bruce Willis's, right. He, he, he is fallible. He's capable of being Seasoned. beaten. He's seasoned. He's capable of being. He gets hurt in a fight. He is. He he. His his superpower is basically willpower. He he'll, he'll just keep getting up even if he's about to die. Yeah. Um. And and he is capable of being outsmarted. You know, Haley Atwell does it with the tire. And he's not this perfect kind of superhero where he he. You know, one of my one of the what I'm getting at is is one of the things I really like about after that sequence is a really small character moment where he's just really awkward with the steering wheel he just doesn't know what to do with the steering wheel and he's just kind of like i just cops the cops are coming by and he's just like it's really funny um he's just like hiding it behind his back yeah. i i really i really like that about ethan hunt ethan hunt has been has constantly been like a a really interesting hero to follow because he is at both times super incredible legendary superhero and completely fallible it's uh, yeah, it's, it's why cool these like line. absolutely and again, like I love you know, I, I I like the new like I like Fast X, but like also like those movies are not trying to be they're different. They're 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 doing they're operating on different levels, but like I just really appreciate that like Tom Cruise doesn't mind getting a scrape <laughs> as opposed to other characters who are like, Oh, I'm not allowed to get punched more than the other guy I'm fighting. Like that kind of bullshit. Or Tom, Tom Cruise is like, No, I'm about to fall out of a plane, it's gonna hurt. I'm like, Yeah, Tom, you did that. Like yeah, I, Tom, I, I always appreciate that. I saw this clip online where it was like, I guess it was Simon Pegg and a bunch of other actors. They were watching the scene where Tom Cruise takes the bike off the mountain, and Simon Pegg's just like every effing movie, he has to do something like this. Just every effing time. I love that they were there watching the filming of that stunt, and they were like the whole cast was there watching the filming of oh, that yeah. stunt. They were all like, we yeah, all held their breath. He did you're, it seven if times. You're, if you're doing it, you're going to be there and be like. I need to be there to see it because I need to tell the story of how I was there when Tom Cruise died. Yes. <laughs> yes. How this goes. Like, I'm not going to not be present for the insane story of how Tom Cruise died. Simon Pegg made Someone the joke. Re- I, I had, I, I did a phone uh, recording just in case he, just in case they didn't get any good footage. I'm like, I got it guys. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that if like Tom, like God forbid, I really, hopefully this doesn't happen, but if something were to happen to Tom Cruise and he were to die filming one of the Mission Impossible films, I just have a feeling someone's going to remake the day the music died to the day that Tom Cruise mm-hmm. died. No, I'll tell you, they'll use, yeah. they'll use that footage. Yeah. If he yeah. if he does go, they'll use that footage. So I think I, I genuinely believe Tom Cruise has it in his contract that like if he dies making the movie, they have to finish making the movie. Oh sure. And yeah. like make his death part of it. I bet I I wonder if there's like, all right, here's script B in case this cliff jump doesn't go right. <laughs> <laughs> so can we talk about my my MVP of the movie? Is it Shea Wiggum? It's definitely Shea Wiggum. Oh my god, dude! He's just like rubbing people's faces, like everyone's wearing a mask. Oh. I, I, he. I, once again, an actor I have seen in countless things, but here I'm like, you're incredible. I think the whole cast, by the way, just blanket is incredible. He's mm-hmm. Captain Stacy and Beyond the Spider Verse. I didn't know that until yeah. I listened to a podcast. It's also, it's also an Agent Carter reunion. Oh, is he an Agent? Yes, Carter? he's yeah. an Agent Carter. 
Hell yeah. He's, he's her captain. I love that. That guy is so funny. He's like the greatest, like, I'm an actor who looks like a blue collar guy, but I'm actually like really charismatic. Like, he's so good and he's always right behind Ethan, but he's not good enough to like be on Ethan. The, it's so good. Uh, talking the best shot. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say the best shot in the movie for me, I think, is when Shea Wingham is like, he's got to be somewhere and he's running up <laughs> behind him. The whole time. I was seeing like those sequences with Wiggum and the and the rest of the CIA crew. I'm like, this is just Lupin the Third IRL, but with more guns and explosions. <laughs> and I am, and I am here for it, and I absolutely love it. I right, love right his down, ser- right down to it. the bit where like he almost gets to Lupin, and then he's like, Lupin's doing a good thing. Damn it! Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah because you're bringing up, sorry dogs, uh, because you're bringing up uh, him. I'll say like. There's a lot of sequences I enjoy in this movie. I think they're very good. I admire how they're made. My personal favorite sequence is the airport mm-hmm. um, mm, because yeah. I like all the character beats. It's how we meet Grace, which I think is really, really good. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the whole thing is set up by them. I really love the tension for Benji. Uh, said, trying oh my to God, the bomb. what he thinks is a nuclear bomb. You are done? That actually gave me chills because it's right. like, it's spelled my name. He knows my name. Oh my God. Yeah. And, but in that, in that sequence, I really like, sorry to bother you, Ethan, but do you know what always comes but never arrives? Yes. <laughs> what are you talking uh, about? And, and, and getting all the way down to the, what's going on? There might be a nuclear bomb in, <laughs> uh, in packaging. And he's like, I, a nuclear bomb is what you interrupt me for. <laughs> How long do we have? Maybe 20 seconds right now. And Ty's just like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, How fast can I run? I thought I thought all of it, um, the tricking the, the Wingham and the others and uh, Luther and Benji and the tension of that and meeting Grace, all of it I thought was strung together so well. It was yeah. truly my favorite sequence. I thought we were bouncing around the airport really effectively. Yeah. Um, lots of good character beats. That was honestly the bit where I was like, if Benji dies in this movie, I feel set up for it. Yeah, that's where that's where I thought it was going to happen. I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah. I, 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 oh, go ahead. No, the bomb sequence, like that whole time where he said you are done and that the whole thing with the name and trying to figure out the the, the bomb password or the, the code. I was on the edge of my seat. I had not felt that tense in Mission Impossible movie. I mean, I felt it at the end of Fallout because you know it's like, did they make it? Are they gonna are they gonna save the water supply? What's gonna happen? And just the fake out of there was nothing there to begin with. It's gotta be one of the biggest middle fingers in the spy world. But it's such a, a it's such a great thing for the entity and for Gabriel because at this point the film is telling you these are true horrible entities no pun intended and villains in gabriel these guys are willing to toy with you and screw you over and put you through the worst mental and physical stress imaginable to get a simple point across Mm -hmm. um sparks well real quickly i just want to talk about sparks talked about a little bit uh of some great character beats in the sequence which is true um shea wingham as ryan brought up constantly trying to take everybody's face off is incredible um even he does it again to to kittredge uh i'm glad glad it's consistent yeah Um, you never know which i really love um but like I really like when it's when it's first revealed that the guy isn't who he is. And and Benji at this point has been talking like, I can do code just like you, Luther. And he and um, he goes, how'd you do that? And he goes, nothing's impossible for the what does he say? The the 
the Net Warrior or something. Oh, I don't, I don't know. remember the nickname. Um, uh, which I just thought was was so funny. Luther again, once again, Ving Rhames, incredible. I think this is probably Simon Pegg's best turn as Benji, in my personal opinion. Um, he's he, honestly he's consistently good in all of them. Like I'd have to like, yeah. man. I would definitely say he got better from three to four. I think I think my favorite Benji specific outing is Rogue Nation. Yeah. Because it's him oh, being field. pulled in and, yeah, and being true. like, I'm not leaving you and sticking by his side. And yeah. All the stuff that happens because he decides to make that choice. I, I would almost give it to you here because I think the performance in the nuclear scene is really good. But then Benji's not in much of the movie after that. He's in maybe three scenes. Also, Luther's like, y'all, I'll see you in part two. Yeah, right. <laughs> that made me, I was like, there's just a little bit, it's a little bit of like, it just, you know, it's what makes sense for the plot. But it's also yeah. like, it's again, I think it's the COVID stuff where it's like, there's just no good reason to force yeah. certain people to be in a room when they don't need to be. I love it. It's actually, his reasoning is actually, it totally makes sense. He's like, right. no, I need to be off the grid, totally analog. Like no one can know where I am. Goodbye until part two. I think that is actually, it makes sense. And it just made me laugh because I'm like, yeah, that's a movie. Thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, one of the things to just to, to make a new point about why I really enjoy this movie is because of how analog that the characters have to go and how it kind of makes you think is like, wow, we obviously we live in a world where everything is digital. Everything is connected. I mean, I just bought a universal pass on my phone earlier today and it's just oh. one of those things is like, Oh my God, all this stuff is connected. So to go back to stuff from like the nineties, stuff on analog stuff where you have all these, like the CRT, the cathode ray tube, the CRT TVs. It's like, Whoa, it's just I one love. of those things that makes you think it's like this technology what do you really think about it shouldn't be described as, oh, this is like 20 or 25 years old. It technically shouldn't be that old. Yeah. But it is. Yeah. The the idea that, okay, so our agency, let's say they've been around since the 60s since that show was around. We have to we have to make that all analog. So we have to type everything that's ever happened in our entire 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 history. So there's hundreds of dudes just typing away in a room and like Damn, that's got to be boring as hell. <laughs> oh man, hours. You gotta have like ear noise canceling headphones in or something, because that constant clack, uh, typing noise in that big open room with all those acoustics and the echo is gonna drive you. Nuts. My dream. Oh yeah. <laughs> that, that that's ASMR for me, buddy. Like oh, yeah, I'm yeah. sitting, I'm sitting in the middle of that room here. Like yes. So I, I do love one good typewriter noise, but I don't know if I can handle like 500. That might be a little mm. much. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, my favorite sequence, we don't talk about it now, but my favorite sequence is the train sequence because I think that is for me like my favorite, my favorite stunt. That entire, it just keeps going. And I'm like, it's still going. I can't believe it. Another train car. It's like, it's so incredible. What? Yeah, the tra- the train sequence, it's, it's, I, I, I it's so tense. Uh, I'm on the edge of my seat the whole time. Uh, I should have only it, paid for half my seat. Yeah, right. Like, uh, like the whole time when they're climbing and they're and it, this, every, the, you're right, Ryan. It's incredible. It's an incredible sequence. You the pay for your whole seat, but you only use the edge. Uncharted two fans everywhere is wet. Yeah, that's true. Um, what did he say? Like, uh, uh, uh something the purest form of flattery or something like that when someone pointed yeah, it out to him yeah. Corey, you're the 60 year old man did not play your video game sir no <laughs> <laughs> um oh there's so much i want to talk about um so mccory is been playing with this idea since fallout that he continues here which is the idea of the choice um 
you know, we, we, we heard it a lot come up and fall out where, you know, what happens if you choose not to accept it? What happens? Uh, what was that choice? Um, you know, should you choose to accept it? They really, they really play with it and, and fall out and they're playing with it here too. Um, but in, but here and they play with a more personal way that everyone made a personal choice to join the IMF because of something. And we're using something from Ethan's past that we're not quite sure of. Something happened. We know a woman died that he was close to and this per and Gabriel was involved in it. Um, and, after that led him and that what that event led him to the IMF um, and it led him to the choice. And I, and we pay that off with, with grace, finally saying, I choose to accept. I really find that interesting that it's taken mission impossible this long to play with the idea of choice. Mm -hmm. What happens if you, Ethan chose to accept the mission, but he also changed the mission. He's like, this is my mission. Now I am the only one, who will do this mission the way it should be done? He went and rogue. I really, and he went rogue. They even said like, so it's a so we went, he went rogue before it even started. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I really like that kind of thing, and I'm so curious to know how it's going to pay off because I think it will have to in Dead Reckoning Part Two. He can't just keep proposing the question of what this choice is, of what choice means to the IMF, what choice means to Ethan, without finally paying it off and i'm so curious to know what that's going to be i'm yeah, curious to I'm, know if anyone's ever said no like they get in the mission briefing and they go oh hell no nope. i'm sure they, it's they the even shortest say, mission movie ever made it's two minutes long. They, they even say it and the thing is like they are they are authorized not to take the mission if they cannot guarantee success yeah um so if someone so if they send it to someone obviously that's why most of them go to ethan because he will just take the mission and do it but i'm sure there are people who are like i don't think i can i don't think that i can do this so no i don't take this mission ethan is ethan is is the guy he's he is like not that he's the last resort but like when it gets so big that no one else can do it like no ethan can handle it we've we know he can i'm sure he's yeah. not they don't want to bring him in for like the like the tier one shit the easy shit like oh some dude like robbed the store we got to find out who it is they're not bringing ethan in is that dude trying to blow up the world ethan <laughs> where are you the truly impossible missions go to probably go to Ethan at this point. But one of the things that he that we bring up in the beginning with like the new with the, the new guy, uh, uh, welcome to the IMF. You chose correctly, um, or some or something like that. Um, yeah. He has like again playing with the idea of it's a choice. It's not. It's not. It's not a job. It's a choice. We're here. They even say to to, to Grace, we are here because we want to be. We're, yeah. No one's making us do this. We are here because we want to be. It's a choice. I find that so interesting. And, I, and I'm and i I'm sure there's like a key ingredient that I'm missing between Fallout and Dead Reckoning that didn't click into place. But I love the question of like, what's he what's McCory playing at? What's he, what do we do? What are we what are we playing at with this choice? What door are we knocking on with these choices? Constantly uh, highlighting the idea of choice. I'm so invested in this question. I'm so interested to know where it goes. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I I don't know if I'm as heavily invested in it. I think it is more of a thing that's like the mission is so hard. Like we're not going to make you go do it if you don't think you can do it. Like we want someone who's qualified. But maybe he is playing into something. Uh, I think there will be a choice Ethan makes that this is the end of the Ethan Hunt saga. You know, they're talking about maybe making more Mission Impossibles. But like I do think... I think this is this is like the end game scenario we're talking. So like whether Ethan dies or not, I think it is going to be choice related where he's like, 
I might be done. I think I saved the world enough. I deserve happiness. And you know, we, is that, is that, is that a, something he can live with, like Batman? Like, is that a choice he can make? That that brings up a good question. Regardless of whether or not we think the next one will be the end, I I kind of err on the side of Ryan. I, I also think that the next one will probably be the end of the Ethan Hunt saga. Um, yeah. Does the end of Ethan Hunt's story end in his death? Is that I, the only way it can end? Uh, I think, unfortunately, for someone like Ethan, it is like a Batman thing where, like, he will always save the world. <laughs> like, he's not going to not save the world. So, like... Yeah. You know, it is it might be a situation where like I don't want this to happen. You know, it's like a it's like a Michael Keaton forty years later. It's me. I'm back to save the mission. Like I don't think it's gonna be that. So like, I think they'll respect it more. And like, he saved the world enough. Let him have a happy ending with maybe with Grace, not with Grace, with with Elsa, with not Elsa. Maybe uh, threesome with his wife and her new husband. Who knows? <laughs> What's the guy's name? What's the husband's name? I forgot his Paul. name. Paul. Eric or Paul. <laughs> Dr. Paul. What's the actor's name again? Uh, uh, Wes Bentley. Wes Bentley. You know, he well, looks, it looks, go ahead, go ahead. This is a stupid tangent. Go ahead, Sparks. <laughs> Theoretically, Ethan could get to the point where he would be presented a mission and not accept it because he knew he couldn't succeed because he's old. Yeah. And like, you could just have that be why he doesn't do it. Yeah, but I don't want like. Which a, is just like, no, not that you have to show him yeah, do yeah. that, but just be like, like that, that's the reason. Yeah. Like, Ethan's out of the game because Ethan physically cannot do it. Yeah. And he knows he can't I, accept the mission. Ooh, I, I got an idea. Oh, go ahead. What if in future Mission Impossible movies, Ethan does retire from the field, but he becomes the secretary? That was the original wow. ending for four. That's actually really interesting wow. that you bring that up. Um, and Macquarie thought that was stupid and decided oh, against well, it. Well, damn. So I wonder. I so I I don't think that's going to be the case. However, I going back to the question of choice because, like you know, look, I, I get really obsessed with, uh, obsessive with these these kind of existential questions. One of the reasons why I really like the rebuild the ever rebuild movies, not because of what they tell you, but what they don't. Um, and so, like I, so I'm really so I'm really invested in this question, and I'll be honest, probably too invested, but. I could see the end of Dead Reckoning Part 2. Mission's over. They won. Happy ending. He gets a package. Should you choose to accept it? And he says no. It's like, yeah, I don't need well, to, I don't need it's to do this. Like, I, it's, I, in the, it's in the end game. This what, is happy isn't, isn't arguably like what he's playing with with choice already in this film? Like the idea but of, Elsa and stuff. of the importance of choice? No. With um, he chooses not to kill Morales. Oh, yeah at the end of the movie gabriel he doesn't kill gabriel that's choice that's actively going against what the entity planned for him to do that's true um that's the whole thing is that the 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 entity planned that ethan would either die there yep or kill gabriel and either way the entity wins true it's ethan's choice that makes it so that what the entity predicted wouldn't happen now obviously like you can Say that the NC has many calculations and many algorithms because that's the the bullshit that we I love it. And I love this it. movie under is that like well it's predicted every possible contingency and scenario. I'm like this is the most likely one, and but yeah. there's obviously the one where Ethan survives and he gets out of the situation because that's how the entity knows that Ethan can kill it. Um, but arguably the idea of like why is it important that Ethan makes choices is brought to its full resolution in a sense by the end of the movie because he doesn't kill Gabriel. True, that's true. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, it's you know, it's just it's just interesting things that I noticed what we're watching Fallout recently. Um, that that this is a door that Macquarie is is knocking on, and I I really I really like it. It's a it's a it's a theme that I'm really interested in. I mean, um, it, it's really at the heart of like the anti AI story. Yeah, is like what is the difference? Is it's the matter of choice. Sure. Like everything yeah. is calculated or everything is choice, and choice is individual choices uh, built off things that you can't 
numerically count on. I brought it up. In, Even Ethan yeah. probably doesn't know if he'll actually not kill Gabriel until he's in the moment. That's what true. choice he'll make. That's true. Um, what, when... Uh, I brought up when we reviewed all well, we reviewed all the movies, but I thought like these movies are getting more and more complex, but they're not getting in, in complex in a way where it's ever confusing. And this movie could have so easily been super duper. It is a little convoluted, but not in a way that like bothers me whatsoever because it's it's big, big AI nonsense. But I just love that's like, no, that's what he wants you to think. You have to do something completely different. And it's like Luther's just like, <laughs> I just love like that's what he wants you to do. I, then you got to think of the opposite. I will. I will <laughs> it's, acknowledge. It's silly. I will acknowledge that. <laughs> that feels a little like wow mccory really likes going to that bucket just because we watch all the movies recently yes and like ethan says that about lark he yep. says that about um what's his name the solomon, solomon? Sol yeah kane he says that about him as well it's he's true. like he's like the fact that we're doing that is exactly what he wants us to do yeah. and i'm like well okay we're just saying but Ethan's this one <laughs> but this one makes sense yeah <laughs> algorithms i one of the one of the one of the things about the entity that I really like is how menacing of a presence it is. It's not for the first time. There's no person. Uh, this is an existential threat that Ethan has to face. This is the biggest thing Ethan ever has to face. Real quickly, it, it was it, there's an e very easy path to kind of be like, oh, he's been manipulated. Gabriel has been behind all your villains from the past. And I'm so glad they didn't do that. Um, 100%. So happy they didn't do that. Um, but they keep kind of building on this idea um, of this threat. And finally, this this existential threat is something that Ethan has never truly gone gone um, uh, gone up against. And part of part of what sells that for me is the party reveal when it says we would say that this party is the interesting part, the interested party. And, it and you turn around and all the angles around Ethan as he's realizing that. This party is the entity, and uh, I just thought that was a, such a such a good reveal. Yeah, uh, again, like the, the being having AI be your big bad, like could have been extremely cheesy, could have been really stupid. But again, like Macquarie and, and Cruz, like like they they really came up with a really compelling uh, uh, digital Sauron. Um, that I love that it started. Like, yeah, it started in social media and entertainment stuff, and then it slowly it's just works way works its way in the news, and it's like, man, that sounds. A little too real, if you ask me. <laughs> Skynet, and, really and, and all the uh, essential, the, all the analogies agencies ac across the world, they want to fight Ethan. They not Ethan. They want to control it because they want to control the truth. To control yep. this, this entity is to control the truth. Yes. Um, and this entity has other plans because it's self-aware. Real quickly, I do want to mention uh, on kind of the complex complexity nature of this and how the entity is always winning and uh, aware of everything. I do like the ambiguity that Rebecca Ferguson might have been hired by the entity, but we're not truly sure. It's pretty mm -hmm. it's pretty obvious that it, that it is true. But I do think that the opening is there that it could have just been friends in MI6 helping her. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's never it's never it's never like solidified that this was the entity like it is kind of for grace yeah oh yeah they go there's a cool desert scene like it, it's pretty cool like uh, uh i love that also, eye patch yeah uh it's because rebecca ferguson can't blink yeah. uh there's a wink. great wink thank you she can't wink uh, uh so like she looks like all right so close your eye and she just can't like do it properly so they had to find an eye patch quickly and i think that's just really really funny makes her look even cooler yeah yeah I, it's such a cool review it's just good to, like zoom it's like just the slowly like yeah. put it over i i like that a lot um man uh i i really like 
Gabriel. I, uh, from what they give us, I just think he is a really good presence. I really need more from the character. I, even if he's not so much a character, sure. I just need more. Why is he, why is he so important to Ethan? And what, what is their relationship? I don't, again, I don't need him specifically to be like, oh, the ghost from Ethan's past. Like I am more interested in the entity to be honest, but like you do have to flesh out all that shit with that girl. And like, that is a big part of the movie. And like, if they don't fully invest into that, I'm going to be like, I still love both these movies, but like there is a bit it's going to feel a little like Dracula and Van Helsing and Van Helsing. Mm, No, I'm right. Like if they don't flesh it out any further than here, it's like they have a history, but literally you have a line from Van Helsing at the end of that movie where he's like, some things are just better left forgotten. And then he kills him. And like, you never find out like anything more about what that. Oh, sure. I I, like, you can leave it in that space where like, it's just, he's the thing that put Ethan in the IMF. You have a vague idea of this woman. All right. Leave it to your mind's imagination. Rabbits fly. I I, like, I really like, (laughs) I don't know how much I need, but like it, it is, I, I don't consider it fridging cause I don't even know who that person is, but it is, we are seeing a random woman get killed on screen to hurt Ethan. And I'm like, I just need, I think it's weird in this it's movie. The con- it's the, the stacking of it's those a st- kind yeah. of elements. That, it that it feels, is just weird. So like, yeah. I, I, be- I fully believe in this team to pay it off. It yes. just it is, again, this is a part one. So I have to judge it as part one. I like the performance of Gabriel. Gabriel feels very much as just a mouthpiece for the entity, yes. not a fully fleshed out character to Metatron. me. Metatron. Um, he's unlikable. Yes. Um, because he's comfortable in his smugness and his confidence of victory. He hates But outside him. of yeah. that, he's not, he's not anything to me. No. He's just like, he's just like, I just like the dude. Yeah. Someone someone put it really well where it's like, you can tell me all the backstory you want about this guy and Ethan, but you're not going to be able to change the fact that the, when those two see each other on screen, I don't feel the vis- visceral hate that I felt when Lark and Ethan stepped onto a plane together oh, in Fallout. Yes. And I'm yeah. like, that's true. Those two, just like the animosity that you felt coming off the two you of cut them that tension. was so strong. And like here, it's just not as impressive. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a really good line in this movie that i really like which is um grace says uh well ethan says to grace your life will always matter to me more than my own and mm-hmm. she's like why you just met me and he says what does that matter yeah yeah he's just a good person I, he's a good dude. i really like that it's, a, it's such a really great way to just like really just like that's who ethan is oh, yeah. he is a person who will always put the life oh. of the world uh, um, over over himself yeah like so i don't i don't remember specifically what happens but like grace like gets grace goes through something and then ethan like literally almost dies but he's like grace are you okay right after something happened to him and i'm like ethan you're so good dude oh my god (laughs) right and like it's it's just that line is very good because it's just stating the thing we have known is true of ethan's character the whole time it just it just puts it right out there this is this is ethan this is why ethan hunt is the character he is he hunts because he loves one another exchange that i really like that so that kind of pays that kind of that I think it's kind of an interesting way to pay off the beginning, which is, which is, you know, welcome to the IMF to the, to the guy carrying the Postmates. And he says, um, where, where it's Shay Wingham and Shay's wingman. Thank you very much. Mm. Just wrote that. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, he said, uh, he's talking about like, what would you do with all, with that power? It's like, I turn into the, to, like if it's, if it's something that threatens the world, that I'm on the world side. Yeah. And like, I, I thought I saw that. I was like, that dude's a future IMF agent in the making. <laughs> sure. Yeah. One hundred percent. That 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 guy's joining the IMF in the next movie. Angela Bassett uh, couldn't be in this movie due to COVID stuff, but you could see a picture of her behind Carrie Elwes when he's talking. I'm like, oh, yep. I wish she could be in the movie. Lovely. I, I like Carrie Elwes, by the way. I think he's very good. Yeah. Um, I like the double betrayal by the Duke by the NSA director 
and seeing Kittredge on the train. Yes. Yeah, Kittredge. The train. The train sequence. We. Uh, real quickly, I do want to mention the 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 stunt in the movie, which is the jumping off the off the the, the mountain, um, which is really great, really well executed, really awesome to see. Um, I really like when Benji is leading Ethan up there, and he's like, "Just, just keep going." When do I start going down? Just keep going. And he gets uh, there, and he's just like, "Just jump, just you know, do the, just jump." You have a parachute; it's fine. Uh, we get another Macquarie Mission Impossible staple where um, the the plan is imagined, and we see the fantasy yes! sequence of how it'll yes! land. Uh, Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. he's he's done that in all of his movies. I love it to, to, for different reasons. Um, but yeah, it's always nice when it's straight up. up. Do you think he meant to land in the train? Do you think, or no. was that an accident? <laughs> that was an accident. <laughs> good, good. Again, all luck. He's hundred percent lux, uh, uh, in his DNA slot. Um, oh, cause he killed that dude. <laughs> okay. Cause you brought that specific beat up. Yeah. I did want to highlight. This is just one of those things. Like we just went through all the mission impossible movies and I can't recall this particular thing happening. And it just bothers me when it happens this particular way. Uh, which is where Kirby's brother has a gun on Grace and says, kill her to the guy in front of him to pull a gun out of his waistband and shoot her. And I'm like, your gun is on her. Shoot her. What are you doing? Like, if you wanted it to not be a bullet and that guy was going to, like, go into, like, soft choker it's or something, power. I'd be like, fine, fine. But it's just... He doesn't want to do it. I was like... Okay, like it's a very minor thing, but like it really bothers me when if a person says kill her while having a gun on a person just for someone else to pull out the gun and do it. And I'm yeah. like, it is silly. Yeah, I agree. I think I think uh, Shay Wingham, by the way, has. Um, I, I I kind of agree with you there, Sparks. Um, I think Shay has a um, uh, a line that that I think personally rivals uh, Hunt as the living manifestation of uh, destiny, which is he is the. He is the mind re- for all intents and purposes. He's a mind reading, shape shifting agent of chaos. Yes. Oh yeah, I love him. Which is brilliant. I want to shout out real quick, uh, Greg Tarzan Davis, who plays Degas, who is the guy who's going with Wingham everywhere, and, and, has, and has one of my favorite uh, lines outside of the one Brandon already mentioned in the movie, which is where he's like, "What if they always have a reason for going rogue?" And he's like, "Whose side are you on in this?" Well, when it comes to the end of the world, everyone's like, "Yes." Yeah. <laughs> Um, I really, I really like that character. I, he doesn't get a lot to do, but I, I do really like him. I'm glad, um, I'm glad he's always there with Wingham. Uh, like, like I feel like there's, you know, like two sides of the, how they're viewing Ethan in each moment is being given to us just yeah. by his presence. And yeah. so having it stated at that point in the movie, I'm like, cool. Isn't I there, appreciate that. Isn't there also? If, oh, oh, if I also, I love how every time Wingham gets into a situation. Um, he comes up and he starts speaking a foreign language. He starts speaking like Italian or French. Yeah. And then yes. Wiggum just goes, F it. Like it's the train sequence is essentially he goes, Madame, he's trying to explain it in French. Just call me goes, he goes, nope. back of the train, pop, pop. Yeah. And, and the, and the, the party. guys at the party. Yes. <laughs> he takes the guys at the party and the dude's like, oh, Dang, okay. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I guess we're doing this now. Um, yeah, I really, I really, I, 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 man, I think everyone's just doing a, a bang up job in this movie. Um, Oops, oh, all bangers. Oops, all bangers. Uh, I really like this movie, you guys. Oh, uh, one thing. Sorry, there is actually something I'm, I'm not crazy about. Um, which is, uh, I think Palm's turn is a little abrupt for me. 
I don't really get the sense that it's going to happen before Gabriel says the thing tells me is you're going to betray betray us because he spared your life. And I don't get that sense in that in the moment in the next moment we see her, which is on the train when she's killing a bunch of people. So, like, I I just felt that that was a little um, as much as I like Palm. I think she's great in this movie. I just didn't find that that turn very believable. I I could have maybe used a few more scenes with her where she's like dissecting what happened. And then she's like, you know, you can see the like the inner conflict within her. And then she eventually does go full like I'm leaving Gabriel. But I do I do agree with that because it was kind of sudden. Like when you would think like when Ethan takes the pipe and hits the brick, you think that's her face and her face would go splat. But then it's like he missed he don't kill no he don't know he, don't he just walks away it's like huh that's well, good well, he's, yeah. well that i mean that moment is very important because as ryan said ethan doesn't doesn't brutally murder people right. he, he's mad he's delivering a statement at that moment he's like i i need to go don't get he, up he avoids killing people whenever possible unless it's mission impossible too um, yeah, which is which is a separate John 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 Woo universe. In which case, he'll shoot the shit. That's out a diverging di- di- <laughs> timeline. Uh, I I hear you. I hear you, Brandon, a bit. I I'm fine with it because uh, I didn't want her to have more inner conflict because that's not the character she is. She is a raving mad woman. She is a assassin who works for like the worst people on the planet. And when she finds out that she's about to get killed, of course she would switch sides. Uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so I was gonna say like um, first off her body language and throughout the film is incredible. She's doing so much acting with just her face and her butt. I love her so much. Um, I buy it because it feels like it's there for the entity kind of wounding itself. Mm. Um, like this could have happened. It probably maybe wouldn't have like, it's trying to predict too many things. Yeah. So this could have happened maybe, but it's not a guarantee, but it becomes a guarantee because he betrays her. Mm-hmm. And once he right. betrays her, then like she has no allegiance. And so like it's it's the fact that he like leaves her to die that makes me buy her at that point helping Ethan. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I, I want I want to be clear. It's not this that I that I dislike that it happens. It is just that I wish that was a bit more clear. Either it is what Sparks is saying, which I, I believe that's the intention, that it is it is Gabriel trying to kill her that turns her. I, and I don't need it like what Ben says, a couple more scenes with her because I think she's incredible. And I think she's got enough screen time as it is. Um, I, and, but as Ryan said, she is psychotic uh, for most of the time that we see her. And I, and I, I really like that performance, but when we, but prior to Gabriel attacking her, there is nothing in her body language to say that she is um, regretting anything that's happening in the moment. And so I just, I, I needed just a bit more. That's really all I'm saying. It's just a bit more there. I I agree with you. I think I think it's there to uh, to imply that the AI like screwed up. Yeah. Like it's a misstep, a miscalculation. Um, If it hadn't made Gabriel do that, it wouldn't have gone this way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like it, 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 it tried to be too predictive of behavior and it screwed up. I think that is part like the only amount that it's laid there is that like obviously she's she feels some kind of feeling about being spared by Ethan because we see the shot on her face. There's mm-hmm. an emotion there. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I'm I'm with you, Brandon. I don't think she's at any amount of like visual language betrayal. And and because I do think the intent is supposed to be that the AI made a mistake in making Gabriel do this, that's why there's no any signs of that change in her. 
because there's no way to suspect it until it happens. She doesn't think she's going to get betrayed. But I, but I hear what you mean. I just don't know how you convey that without it just being her helping Ethan the moment she sees him after that. Because like yeah. I don't like I don't know where you have the time between her getting betrayed by Gabriel and and then helping Ethan like to to show something changing. Um, but I, I I agree. Like I I think it's not a part of who who her character is until Gabriel does what he does, and then mm-hmm. I think it, it kind of seals that like what the AI was afraid of is now going to happen. It just feels because of how we've seen her before, and I don't want to get too hung up on this topic personally, but like it does feel like how we've seen the character. It doesn't feel like she would have turned. Uh, I don't I don't think she I personally yeah. don't think she would have. No, I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I think I think like this is one of those things where like I can say this about all of Macquarie's Mission Impossible films, but with this one in particular, like it feels like there's a lot of like you really want to think about this and it's very smart and there's a lot of meaning to it and then there's other things in the same movie that'll be like this is purely surface level oh yeah and and i think you can make an argument like how much is this supposed to be surface level or how much are you supposed to think about this i do feel like potentially the intent is to imply that the ai made a mistake that's that's how i read it um like the ai seals its own fate by trying to predict that because ethan wouldn't know where to look without her Right. Um, and so it, it sets itself up for its its death um, right. because of that miscalculation. Dead reckoning right ahead. Um, OK. Actually, I think that's it. Looking at my notes, trying to think, parse through anything else that I possibly could have ever thought about. Ben, so you got there is one thing I want to say, and everyone else pretty much said theirs. I want to talk about my favorite action sequence really quick. Go ahead. Okay. Because I was rummaging through my, was it the car chase? Was it the train sequence? But I was like, nope. My favorite sequence was after the party with Ethan running through Rome in the dark, and the fake AI and the AI was modulating Benji's voice, and you see, and you see Gabriel on the bridge, and that whole thing, because that whole time was uh, one of the greatest. The audience knows it, Benji knows it, but the guy you're rooting for does not know that mm-hmm. he's listening to someone completely different and it's just like and it makes a mistake it mm-hmm. makes it, it pretends to make a mistake like benji would no uh turn left i'm sorry i meant right it does mm-hmm. that like benji would we've seen benji do that many times mm-hmm. in these movies yeah like yeah. it's like oh i had it in 2d i had it, it was like like in the what was it fallout or dead Row rogue nation he fed chat gpt the last four mission impossible movies and benji <laughs> ai benji came out Pretty and much. I think that's I think that you're right, Ben. That's such a good moment because Ethan, because of that mistake, because of that mistake, has no reason to think he's not talking. He's not talking mm-hmm. to Benji. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's oh, and it's oh, such a good moment. And also, I mean, the entire cast is doing a fantastic mm-hmm. job. And I must say credit to where credit is due. But Simon Pegg in that scene, just the pure panic. I mean, don't get me wrong. The panic in the airport scene was fantastic. But the sheer panic. It's not me the sheer anger and he's just like oh god it's not me i can't get to my friend and even when luthor and benji realize that they're being that they're being tricked by the ai they take their laptops they smash them they're like hell no we can't trust anything that has a motherboard and a wi-fi signal right now we're screwed yeah it was one of the it i don't want to say it's the turning point of the film for me but it's definitely one of those scenes where you can feel the tension you can feel that nowhere is safe and I absolutely love it. Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about it, but this I think this has now my favorite mid-title card drop. Mm. When Grace mm. when Grace joins the team, and I'm like, oh right, we haven't had the Mission Impossible sequence yet. And then we get the trailer for the movie, and I'm like, oh hell yeah. We haven't talked about the music. Y'all, the music is so effing good in this movie. It is so good. That last movie was so good. Like, 
oh my god i i'm gonna i listen to this on spotify and i'm like no again like you're not jake you know but like you are doing such interesting cool things in all the different environments i'm like damn what's your name sir i gotta remember it for the next time lauren balf uh balf. or balf balf balfazar um, um he's he's a great find from macquarie i just want to say he's a great find from macquarie I, I will say I think the score is very good. I don't think it always matches the visuals on film well. Sure. Um, there's one scene in particular that uh, stood out to me, which is when um, the gang gets together and Venison is essentially going to like their hideouts, like the moment after the, the whole car chase scene and Ethan's reunited with them. And the score is just going like 10. And I'm like, we could go down to seven, y'all. Like, we don't need to be at the top dramatic layer for this particular moment. Did you see how cool that hideout was? It was okay. I felt like it, it, it was playing. It was playing to the to the full max uh, a little more often than it needed to. I didn't feel like it upped and down sure. as well as Fallout did. And Fallout was the same composer. I'll agree with that. One of the things, one, one of the moments I, I want to spotlight real quickly um, is when is after the car chase sequence, which that I love so much. Which is such a good car chase sequence. But afterwards, when he's um, when he gets picked up by Benji and the whole team's together, I'll be honest, you guys, I shed a tear. Like I was just like, we, we, we got Rebecca Ferguson, we got Ving Rhames, we got Simon Pegg, we got Tom Cruise. The team, the family's back together. We're the mission teams together, and I'm like, yeah, baby, we're back. Back at the movies. See you at the movies. Okay. News team is back. Anything else? Train stuff's real cool. Train stuff is real cool. No man. Uh, when, a lot of that, when, a lot of that was practical. Not like the whole the whole train thing, but like they did launch a train off of off of, of a cliff. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> damn. I love I love watching the I love watching trailers go over cliffs. So I'll just do that over and over and over again. And it just kept going. It was crazy. They yeah. built the train. Mm-hmm. My one of my I guess this could be my final thought, but one of the things I also really enjoy about this movie, especially between part one and part two, is the heroes didn't lose in part one hmm. they oh, know yeah, okay. what's it's one of those films where you know that even though they technically won they don't they're not like resting on their laurels essentially they know that this was just but a prelude for a larger storm that's on the way like they have to obviously they have to go find a submarine they have to go do all this stuff to get to the entity and destroy it but what i really liked it wasn't like endgame now obviously or not endgame excuse me infinity war i mean Infinity War, that was a gut punch of an ending. You're like, that had you, oh my God, what's going to happen next? And it's like, great, I have to wait a year? Whereas with this one, it's like, okay, first half, the first half of the game is over. We have some time to digest. Now what can we speculate or what's going to happen in part two? The second half is on the way. What are the stakes? I, I just like how the actors or like the characters in this movie, they are not... I mean, they know they're facing a very dire situation, but it's not like literally the button's been pushed and the world is about to end. That's a really good that's a really good point that I wanted to kind of circle back to it. I totally forgot about, which is I mentioned before that of the three part ones that we've seen this year, um, this is my favorite. Um, And it's because of what Ben just said at the end of the at the end of this movie, our heroes win. They get the Mm -hmm. MacGuffin. The MacGuffin that they were after this whole movie, they got it. Um, there is more to the story. They have to find the submarine now. But at the but the MacGuffin that was at the center of this movie is got by our heroes. Um, and I and I find that 
I find it feels like more of a complete movie because of that. I'm not saying that yeah. it is a complete movie. But I just feel like it, it feels more like one. Across the Spider-Verse is the only other one that comes close. Fast X is very far away because that is clearly a movie without an ending. Yeah. Um, and uh, Across the Spider-Verse is very close. I really like the movie still. But this one, I was like, oh, okay. I can wait this year because I've yeah. got a complete movie here. Maybe more. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe more. <laughs> yeah, we know we know there's reshoots that needed to be done and they're mm-hmm. on hold. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I I also wanted to bring up that note, which is, you know, the how important the shot of Gabriel reaching for the key and not finding it is yeah. um, because of uh, it giving that sense of getting something over on. Like, especially like this character who you've watched uh through the entity's, you know, uh, instruction, be uh, think he's ahead of Ethan at every turn, mm-hmm. um, and for, to have to have him take that blow of losing sleight of hand magic, sleight of hand magic. I was going to bring it up next. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, the sleight of hand magic coming back from Mission Impossible One um, is really great, and having all the bits where Ethan did that was really nice. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's a really rewarding capper on the experience to have it feel like the entity screwed up. And that's why Palm's character tells yeah. Ethan where to go. And Gabriel screwed up in being overconfident and loses the key. Yeah. Um, and just like in Loop on the Third, the detective screams, Hunt! <laughs> or the, the Gabriel screams, Hunt at the end. I'm like, oh, it's great. I, love it. I miss Alec Baldwin. I, All right. Yeah, you, got, you got stabby stabbed. Um, I, I do wonder if we'll get, because I didn't want to do this after Final Thoughts or anything. Um, I, I do wonder if we'll get some of our are like the I, oh, what, yes. what I kind of feel like should happen is the whole team the IMF Comes as together. a unit would rally behind Ethan in this choice um of like the IMF would be in agreement uh it'd be nice to see like they don't have the support of any of the governments or anything like that but the IMF supports them and what we see that through is like Brant coming back or Paula Patton, Paula Patton or, <laughs> Ma- back. or or even Maggie Q. I'll take it. Um, and guys, and I don't like, know. I don't know if I can if I would just physically be OK if Paula Patton and Haley Atwell were in the same movie together. That might be the hottest movie ever made. <laughs> uh, be a son. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool to bring some of those characters back around. I know it's something that yeah. McCory slurred with before is bringing back Maggie Q to the franchise and yeah. some of the others. So, like, I think it would be rewarding. Even it, it doesn't need to be them. I don't necessarily want a cameo show. But what I yeah, do yeah. want is the idea that that the IMF is like supporting Ethan on this big mission. The idea that they are rallying behind him when no one else. Because this, this mission is, I mean, every mission is kind of like this small team takes care of it. But this, I think this mission is so big that the, the IMF has to get involved because it is worldwide. I kind of want the way that Ethan is able to, to overcome all this is because the IMF as a unit is working around everything else. Mm -hmm. And like, they're using all their resources to get Ethan where he needs to be um and that they're they're stepping up their shit just to make sure that they subvert not only all the governments but the entity itself yeah yeah. and i think that'd be really really cool um and that's that's a good way to to i think put the idea of like why the choice matters for all the imf agents who they are because of that right uh i think that'd be really cool yeah i agree i'm I'm so down with that idea. And, you know, it would play off really well with the, with as you said, with the choice idea. And, you know, Haley Atwell makes the choice not to take the money, but to take the key back from Kittredge. Um, because she, up until this point, had been in it for herself, but now she's made the choice to be in it for a higher power, which is the, the right side. Good. Mm-hmm. So Kittredge is in there. 
in betrayal of his country or no, representing I think, his country? I think he's representing his country. But he, Elway's he, is also representing his country, but I, more self-interested, and they're both on the train, but they don't know each other's on the train? Yes. No, I think, I, they, I think they do know they're on the train, because I think Elway's says that Kitcher, that someone is procuring the cure right now. They're on the train together, but Elway's has a more sinister purpose than what Kittredge knows about. He just thinks he's taking it for the CIA. Yeah. I mean, that's how I, I saw it. Yeah, I would say Kittredge is there to secure it for the U.S. and also to keep White Widow safe because, you know, they have an agreement. Uh, and the other guy's there because he's there is like he knows about Kittredge, but he's also there for nefarious purposes. At least that's how I was reading it, too. It's it's a little tough because um, I I'm not I'm not sure. And like this was a little bit of yeah, my knock. Uh, is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm not 100 percent sure what the implication is supposed to be about Kittredge being there. Yes. Partially because of Wingham's response to it. Um, which is like, pretend I'm not even, you know, him giving the, I'm not even here. And he's like, well, great. If you're not even here, then you don't need to worry yeah. about moving to the front. Okay. Of the so train. here's how I read it. And again, like I, I, this is my read, but I don't think it's the actual read. Cause I, I think it is confusing. I think Kittredge is not the bad guy, but he's out to get the key for himself. I do think Elway's because Gabriel says it after he kills him, you would have told Ethan everything. I think Elway's was in like to give it to Ethan to try to save the world. Uh, uh, maybe against everybody else because he realizes how big this mission is or whatever. But again, I think it's so confusing. Like, I don't, I'm not sure. But Elwes says, I can team up with the entity and we can get rid of, he wants to make a MAGA state. No, I think, I know, I think he was just saying that though. But again, I'm, because what Gabriel responds with, with the entity said, oh, Ethan, you would have told Ethan everything. But again, like, I, I don't think there's enough, I don't know. He says, he says you would have told Ethan everything to Palm, not to Elwes. Yeah. That's that's why. Oh, I think I'm mixing yeah. shit up. Oh, um, but yeah. but to to the point of like them knowing about each other being there, I don't think they're they're necessarily fully in the know. I I'm certain that they're not on the same page because you know Elways didn't tell Kittredge where the sub is. Yeah. Um. And so I'm I'm just uh, it's just a little weird. I'm not sure who's serving what. What's angle yeah. uh, in that? Uh, Elway's, I think, is pretty straightforward. Yeah, I think it's what he says. Okay, sure. But Kittredge's, I'm like, why does it feel like you're not here for the government? It feels like Kittredge is like doing a bad thing here. That's how I read it, right? It felt like he's doing like, like he he felt like in bad guy mode. I'm like, I don't know if you're in bad it's not, guy mode because it's not weird for them to do deals with the White Widow. That's yeah. been done before, yeah, so yeah. that's not like a no go. But there's something about the way it's presented in the film that feels like. Kittredge was still not supposed to be there, not just because of like who he is, but like functionally he's doing a bad thing. But I'm not really clear on what that would be other than like I'm getting it for the government. We're just getting bad vibes from both of them. Yeah. Well, I think I think Kittredge Kittredge is the is the wild card. I I do think it's they they I I think they came onto the train together and Kittredge is technically working for Elwes, but Elwes has a more sinister purpose for the key than what Kittredge knows about. But Kittredge just has an air of just sinisterness about him. Absolutely. So I think maybe that's throwing people off. That's throwing us off. It it feels Um, like they're setting up for something to, to be explained upon about Kittredge being there. That again, it just feels like it's more complicated than like he wants it for the U S to be in control. Because that's that's essentially mostly in a really dark and direct way what Elways says he's after. So it does by connection and association make it feel like Kittredge is there for something else. Maybe Kittredge is just a good guy. Maybe. 
But like, but like, why wouldn't he be honest with Ethan if he if the goal is that he also wants the AI destroyed? That's true. Kittredge, though, I'm glad he came back. I've I've missed that guy. <laughs> no, he's a uh, yeah. He's it's it's cool to have his performance in it. Um, it's, it's a solid it's a solid turn. Uh, the Wikipedia does not give me any information to help me whatsoever. Yeah, I, I, just, I just wanted to spotlight that because I remember no, you're coming right. away from the movie and I'm like, I don't totally get what is supposed to be the intent of Kittredge being on the train. What's the motivation here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, it feels like it. there's seriously something incomplete going on with with it there. Um, like that Kittredge is after the key directly with the White Widow just because of the context of like, buyer being set up with the entity involved and all that kind of stuff i'm yeah. like there's there's something else here at play that i'm not entirely sure of yeah um, yeah i'd have to we watch it when it comes out on streaming all right uh final thoughts and ratings sure i think it's really good i think it's great uh you know part one aside i think this is you know these stunts continue to impress me tom cruise like this continues like hey i just want to make really cool movies for you guys i'm like i that's you know i appreciate that um i will give this uh, this is of the three. It is my least favorite, but I'm still giving this an 8.5 because McCory is an incredible filmmaker. Sparks, do you want to go next? Yeah, um, I, I will just spotlight some. These are just overall thoughts I had in my notes um, that I really like the core of it. It's the question of choice versus inevitability in a battle between machine and man, machine intelligence. Sorry, man and machine intelligence. Um, and uh, I think that parts of the film don't feel as confident and well-crafted as the other two McCory outings. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I, I think a decent chunk of that is due to COVID, but like, I really feel that there. I feel like there are cracks that are present and it is one of the things that makes me like rub off uh, against this movie. We obviously talked about the Ilsa Faust thing. Um, and uh, and that's that's a big mark down for me. Um in in general, I'll also highlight that just for me, I, I thought that I did think that some of the pacing was off in the movies, maybe a little longer than it needed to be. Um, I can't tell you exactly what I would cut, but I did feel that. Um, other than that, I do think it's like it's still an incredibly well-made movie. And like having said all those critiques and everything, um, I still give it a nine. So like it's still up there. Um, it's not a bad movie. It's my it's fourth in my rankings of Mission Impossible movies, but it's still a good movie mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. there are flaws and i'm curious to see if part two changes how i feels about some of these things i'm curious to see how part two feels also still with some of that covid stuff knowing like going into it knowing yeah that is going to be a factor in the next one as well so like i hope it's not too much a detriment to it yeah. but i do think it's well crafted i really like the introduction of our new characters and and the entity as an idea of something that uh ethan is fighting i just think some of the execution fell short ben I've said before, and I'll say it again, each in, um, addition to the Mission Impossible franchise just keeps getting better and better and better. Um, while this still isn't my favorite Mission Impossible, I would still say Rogue Nation holds that honor. I still think this is a fantastic movie, and by itself, the film still has merit. It's still a great ride. There's still stakes. I like how it ends, but also I like how it sets up for more. There are some questions in this movie that I would still like to have answered, such as like, what was Ethan and Gabriel's relationship? before like was he an actual thief before he joined the imf that's why he's so good at stealing shit um all this others i'm assuming some of these questions will be answered but even the questions i do have they're not super burning 
uh, they're not like at the forefront is like oh, or they won't hinder my enjoyment of this movie rating wise i would still give this a solid nine it is still a fun time in the movies it is still a great and even with a 245 runtime it is does not feel like it i was at the edge of my seat i was excited i was engaged and i know that once i do see part two i feel like i will be able to um critique and look at these films as a whole instead of two halves and maybe my score will go up or my score will go down but knowing mccrory and tom cruise and how much love and effort they put into every single one of these movies it's probably gonna go up i pretty much agree with everything that ben said actually um i really love this movie um like ben mentioned um i did not feel the length personally um i get it though i i, I totally get the idea I, I totally get it um anybody who did totally valid but i I was on the edge of my seat. I'd like to live in this movie forever. Um, I didn't want it to end. I was so enraptured in what was happening. I, I find Ethan Hunt to be a, such an endearing character. Um, it's fun. It's funny. It's got some great action set pieces. Like I said, such a great car chase sequence. Um, one of the best, if not the best in the franchise. Um Ben, is someone blowing your nose? <laughs> not your yeah. nose specifically. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, I really, 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 really like this movie. Um, that said, it is still a part one and there are some issues that I have with it. Um, I will still give it a 9.5. Um, I'm going to give it a, 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 I think a solid 9.5 with the caveat that should I look at the two of them together, uh, and decide it's a 10, I'm going to, I'm going to change the score to a 10. Um, so that's my rate, 9.5. Woo woo. Uh, all right, so that'll do it, guys. That's Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part One. Um, guys, you finally did it! I got through the entire Mission Impossible franchise. I got through the entire film franchise. You did it! Hell yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm glad. I'm really glad you were able to join us uh, doing these Mission Impossible films. Um, obviously, it's also your podcast, so you wouldn't have no choice. <laughs> but um, I'm very glad that that. Um, after years of me telling you that you would like them, that you would finally uh, watch them all. And I'm glad and you like them more than you anything. You are hundred percent correctly. Well, actually I don't like them. I love them. Um, and on that I don't note, like mission impossible. I love it. I <laughs> um, and with that, we've all joined the IMF. Um, uh, welcome to the IMF, everybody. Uh, we'll see you next time for mission impossible dead reckoning part two. Be exciting. Um, all right, so that's it. So that's 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 a uh, that's cinephiles. That's fake nerd cinephiles. Uh, we don't. We're not exactly sure what our next review is going to be, but stay tuned for what that's going to be. It's probably going to be they clone Tyrone, the new Netflix film that we are we we are eager to ch- to check out. But uh, stay tuned. Uh, stay glued to your feeds. Check them out. Um, if you're listen, if you're watching this on YouTube, there's plenty of other shows on the on this YouTube channel. If you like to get in touch, if you like to get, watch some of those, if you like this video, subscribe to this channel. There's Fake Nerds Watch, which is currently going through Star Trek: Strange New Worlds and Secret Invasion. No episode of that coming soon. Basement Arcade, Basement Arcade Pause Menu, our video game shows, um, Animation Station. Uh, new episodes coming that. Uh, Mythalanius, which uh, new episodes coming that. If I can ever write them. The Conversation, which is an audio-only show, unfortunately for you YouTube people. Um, new episode is delayed. I apologize for that. But uh, previous episode of Rachel Strange from the Narrative Labyrinth, that's up now. Fichtner Book Club coming back soon. Uh, we promised you it would, and it will. Um, and 
that's not all of them. The real score, the real score, of course, our our, our freshman show. You can uh, stay tuned for new episodes for that, and of course, our mothership show, the Fickner Podcast. Guys, the Fickner Podcast is going to be busy. Uh, if you're listening, to, if you're listening or watching to this uh, on. You know what? No, the previous episode was we talked about was Comic Con. We talked about Comic Con. There was a lot of news about Comic Con. The next episode, who knows what that's going to be? But uh, you can join us Sunday mornings live um, every every Sunday morning. Uh, we have a Patreon. We have a T Public. If you want to support us financially, or you can find all of the links to everything I just mentioned on our website at fictionerpodcast.com, which is also linked below. Of course, we support the strikes. Uh, but don't forget, we are we, we support both unions in their ongoing battle for a fair deal uh, where you can support all support all unions, of course, uh, where you can support uh, those unions uh, fighting for a fair deal uh, is linked below. Uh, more information and support is linked below. So please check those links out. Um, Hot labor summer, baby hot labor summer indeed um all right so that'll that that's that guys thank you to everyone who watched this but you can find us on fakener podcast on all the social medias i'm at bt mcclure on instagram and twitter you can also find me writing for cbr.com atomicgeekdom.com and kaijiramamedia.com ben where can people find you well you can find me choosing to accept the mission at ben maga 27 on instagram twitter tiktok and threads you can also find me writing for old school gamer magazine fusion gaming magazine go nintendo.com and playing mary frankenstein in d and dark new episodes out wednesdays did you say threads i did okay i was i it's so new i just i, I know it blew I know. over my head it's i know i had to keep reminding myself I was like i have a threads now i have a threads now i have a threads That's now okay i do too i just BT McClure on threads. Uh, Sparks? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at S-P-R-A-R-K-Z-Witty and only at those places. Nowhere else. Don't look me up anywhere else. Don't do it. Right? Don't perceive me. Don't find his OnlyFans. Ryan? Don't perceive me. Um, you can find me uh, DJ Tony Snark. Just type it in. I'm sure I'm somewhere. And until next time you see us, guys, mission accomplished.